0: to Cup of Cubby Blue. Your baseball is being played in a pandemic home for Cubs news updates and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue and you can find us wherever you get your podcast by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. It is crazy y'all but the season is like over. (laughs) There is three games left between the Cubs and the White Sox. I am Sarah Sanchez. I'll be writing about all of it for Bleed Cubby Blue.
1: Hey guys it is Andy Cruz Vanasek and yes you, you can sense a little doom and gloom in my voice, and that's for good reason. We are down to the last series of this season, and who would have thought that everything depends on these three games? Ugh. Well,
0: <laughs> we kind of thought – well, okay, we knew that was a possibility last episode, and I distinctly remember us telling the Cubs to just win baseball games, but they couldn't bring themselves to do that, which we will talk about in a second. But before we do that, I want to make sure that we introduce our guests today because we're beyond excited – to have a White Sox expert joining the show today. Janice Gurria writes about the White Sox for Sports Illustrated, Southside Hip Pen, and SB Nation Southside Sox site. And we could not think of a better person to join us for
2: the, is this the most meaningful Crosstown classic in our lifetimes? It very may well be. And uh, I think, uh, Andy, I'm definitely with you, kind of in the doom and gloom uh, intro where... I think uh, both teams are kind of in the same boat right now where we've got two divisions that are both up for grabs. And uh, yeah, I, I feel as if we're just headed towards mass entropy this weekend where uh, I don't know, I, I might cry. I might laugh. I might do both, but, uh, but yeah, there are some interesting variables kind of floating in the air in Chicago uh, this weekend. And, uh, and uh Yeah. I, I At this point, I'm just like, well, let's get nuts.
0: <laughs> I mean, let's, okay, we're going to have to, I would like to just say, it is so Chicago that both teams had a chance to clinch their divisions, be like just sitting in the catbird seat doing their thing earlier this week. And both teams just like, just, I don't even know, like just stopped playing. Like, we'll start with the Cubs since this is a Cubs podcast, but then Janice will fill us on with what went on with the Southsiders. What the, does this team hit anymore? Andy, I'll start with that. <laughs> Are there players on the Chicago Cubs who can actually get hits in major league baseball games?
1: Okay. So the first part of this podcast, I'm going to take Janice's advice and I'm just going to laugh because that's all I can do at this point. Like, this is like, <laughs> is this for real? We lost three or four from the pirates y'all. From the Pirates, who all of a sudden decided they wanted to play spoiler. Well, I mean, I I don't even know how how this is going to work this weekend. Like, I I feel like I'm going to be in a loony bin. My mental health is definitely going to be at stake. Uh, Yeah, hitting is apparently not important to this team. This is not something they feel like they need to do. I mean, looking at this lineup, it just is such a head-scratcher on how we got – you know, the start that we got from them this season and now we're down to the last three games and yesterday we we limped away from a seven to nothing loss with two hits, two hits against the Pittsburgh Pirates. I mean, for the love, what else can I even say at this point? It's so frustrating.
0: Yeah. They're making Chad cool. Look like Nolan Ryan. I was like, <laughs> Nolan, like this Chad cool guy throws a 92 mile per hour fastball. He's throwing it like basically down the middle or like lower quadrant, and they're just like, no, we don't want to hit that.
1: We're not even going to
0: swing. We'll swing at that slider
1: that's way off the plate instead. Oh, God. I don't – yeah, I mean, it felt like just about every pitcher that Pittsburgh put up against us, they were, you know, walking up there and throwing flame balls, you know? Like, we just looked so overmatched and didn't have good pitch selection at all. We're not, we were making hard contact, but like right at people. So, you know, I I don't, I'm not going to say that this series was on the baseball gods. They could have, you know, thrown us a solid during the season, during the series at any point and, you know, let one of those hits find a gap or two. It it just wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. And I, I don't know at this point, the concern is real because I don't know how you jumpstart your offense against a team like the White Sox.
0: We're going to find out if the Cubs can do that. I mean, I was looking at the StatCast data yesterday because I heard them after the game and the postgame show talking about how, oh, the Cubs had hard hit balls. They just weren't falling. Y'all need to stop abusing yourself of the note, disabusing yourself of the notion that the Cubs should have had hits in that last game against Chad Cool. Their expected batting average for the game was 214. Like they did worse than 214, but 214
1: is also not good. So let's but not isn't, pretend. Isn't two fourteen high for that this this lineup right now? <laughs> two fourteen. Like is that like average? I mean, isn't that like a good average in this lineup right now? Because nobody looks good. Nobody looks good, and for the season, averages are overall pretty low. So I feel like two fourteen might be might be acceptable at this point.
0: <laughs> well, two fourteen, it turns out, is what the Cubs are hitting at Wrigley Field. Uh, for this shortened season, which is just crazy to me. They're supposed to know how to hit at Wrigley Field. It's apparently the lowest batting average a Cubs team has had at Wrigley Field in, I don't know, at least decades, maybe ever. I don't remember what A-Rod and Matt Discursion said on Sunday Night Baseball. I kind of blocked that from my memory.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's all you can do is chuckle at this point. I mean, what what can we even say that does not drive this point home anymore? Like, it's just... It's so infuriating. It's so frustrating. These guys should be hitting better than this. This is a weird season. Yes. We're lucky to be in this spot with how people are hitting in this lineup. So I'll just, I guess I'll just take it at that.
0: (laughs) So Janice, that's what was going on in our series with the Pirates. The Cubs bats were not awake, not even a little bit at all. Kyle Hendricks gave up two solo home runs and that was it for the Cubs. They were just like, Oh, we can't do this. Like we're just not
2: going to, Overcome a two-run deficit. There is no way. Um, That's a pretty solid performance from Hendricks too. Like he's been. So, oh yeah, solid. he's been great. Yeah, uh,
0: he's been an innings eater. He's been outstanding. What's going on with the Southsiders? Because I know you expressed some dismay as well.
2: Yeah, um, I, I am seeing a lot of parallels here. Uh, there is definitely a lot of things that the North Side and South Side have in common, uh, namely. Uh, yeah, we're seeing some pretty solid starts uh, from starting pitching. Uh, But, uh, and, and we're also seeing lots of not so solid starts from opposing pitching too, but the White Sox offense just isn't taking advantage of it so I did a little read-up on uh, this past series. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Ohio is a very silly place. I hope we never go there again. If if the White Sox never have to face the Cleveland Indians ever again, I will be very, very happy. Uh, so, yeah, after taking three out of four from Minnesota last week, apparently this team clinched a, a postseason spot I mean, watching this team play recently, you never would think it's the same team that's on the field. But yeah, there's been some frustrating games. Uh, The White Sox were one in six combined uh, against Cleveland and Cincinnati. And essentially, we just saw uh, some questionable bullpen management. uh, But we have definitely kind of seen a a drop in production from the lineup. I, I think the biggest concern for me right now is Luis Robert, who at one point was arguably maybe the best player on the planet. And right now, uh, yeah, I think he's like over 28. Uh, so that's concerning. Um, I think Tim Anderson also was in a mini slump too. Uh, and of course there's like other spots in the lineup that are just black holes, like, uh, Nomar Mazzara, even though he did get to RBI in yesterday's game, I just think when I, whenever I see him in a lineup, my brain just like completely implodes. But, uh, but yeah, essentially, especially in these last two games, uh, the White Sox were beat. Uh, They were walked off twice in a row, which is like definitely not great for my mental health. Uh, But yesterday too, I think, uh, I don't know, uh, the White Sox appear just to be punting games which is something that you don't necessarily want to see before a postseason. Uh, the big argument that a lot of White Sox fans have been having is that, I mean, if the team is going to slump, if, the, if we're going to have a, a team-wide slump, it's better to do it now than to head in the postseason and just completely, completely uh, crap the bed. Uh, <laughs> that's like like the best way I can describe it. Uh, but, but yeah, there's uh, lots of similar things going on on the north and south side right now, I think.
0: I, I'm impressed that you had a player who had two RBIs all on his own. <laughs> I really, I really feel like the Cubs could have used some of that magic in Pittsburgh, particularly in that game Kyle Hendricks threw that was a gem where it was just like, no, we're, we're not going to score. Like Anthony Rizzo is going to hit a home run to start the game and then we are not going to score anything else
2: at all. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, Dallas Keuchel uh, was really solid yesterday, Uh, gave up uh, only one earned run. It was like his only earned run in September. Uh, So he's been pretty fantastic, especially in his road starts. And so I was worried that, uh, yeah, uh, he's not going to get any run support and he's going to have to just yell at the team uh, after the game uh, like he did earlier in the season again, because apparently he does that but, uh, but, yeah, again, yeah, all of the offense just has been coming from really strange places, so yesterday, um yeah, it was Yolmer Sanchez out of anyone, uh, actually took Zach Pliak deep yesterday, so, yeah, just like a lot of really weird, random things just kind of happening, so there there's just something off in the universe, outstanding. <laughs> Uh, oh, I have to say, I'm sorry. I have to
1: say, though, when I see like words like a slumping Luis Robert, who you just said is over 28 as a Cubs fan, that is a huge head slap for me because that's like, oh, great. Now he's going to bust out of the slump and he's going to destroy us the entire weekend. <laughs> that's That's like my automatic reaction when I hear something like that. I guess that's what we're just conditioned to this season. I don't know. That's that's just my automatic reaction to that.
2: <laughs> so so I have a question for you two. Uh, so as someone who kind of casually follows the Cubs, uh, just because, uh, yeah, I, I talk a lot uh, to you guys and, and, and to Cubs fan friends too that I follow. So when did you see this kind of start to happen?
0: You know, the bat situation has been weird all season. Andy and I have talked on and off about how the Cubs are a streaky team. Let's just get that out there period and stats. So even in 2016 when this offense was otherworldly, it went through streaks. There were periods of time, y'all may remember, in the NLCS they had like a three-game streak where they just could not get hits and score runs and I distinctly remember Chris Russo I think talking about how the Cubs just didn't have an offense that could possibly win a world series and then they turned it on again and they were back. So it is A team that has been known to go through streaky periods before. Now, with that caveat, this is not a streak. This is a, what Theo described in 2018 as our offense broke somewhere and then he went out and hired a new hitting coach, clearly has not fixed whatever is wrong with the offense. The only players that are doing any type of damage on a regular basis are Jason Hayward, Wilson Contreras, Cameron Mabin, and on occasion, Jason Kipnitz. Hap started off kind of strong this season. He has really cooled off. Everybody else in that lineup is not just having like a bad year. They're having the worst year of their career. Javier Baez at this moment in time is the worst hitter in baseball.
2: Oh my goodness.
0: If I told you at the start of 2020, the Cubs were going to be in first place trying to lock down the division, so with three games with the White Sox and Javier Baez was going to be the worst hitter in baseball. Y'all would have laughed me out of I, I think I would have, too,
2: uh, given. Yeah. Javi's history. Um, yeah. That, that sounds as if. Uh, yeah. That is the most 2020 thing to happen is uh, yeah, for Baez to be the worst hitter in baseball. I, I, I didn't know that, actually. So that's completely wild to learn.
0: Yeah, I mean, I might, I might have to reset the stat counter on that. That was definitely before yesterday's game, but he didn't do anything in yesterday's game that would have changed that. So I believe that's probably
1: still. Good.
2: Ooh, oh man,
1: Andy, go ahead. No, I was going to say she said she asked, you know, when we saw, saw this start happening, and I was going to just simply respond in, with 2018. <laughs> but <laughs> but that's a little dramatic, and that's that's just the way I'm rolling these days. But yeah, I mean. Obviously, like I said before, I'm very happy to see that we are still where we're at with the players that we have struggling these days. It's going to be crazy to look back at this year and say the people that we saw producing the most offensively were people like Jason Hayward, Ian Happ, (laughs) you know, I mean, just the unlikeliest of suspects in, in this situation. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely been an issue, I think, um and it's weird because I feel like it becomes an issue at this point in the season for the past couple seasons. Like, obviously there's some concerns with you. This is a hard season to compare because of, you know, when it started and the the length and all that good stuff. But you know, you feel like everybody kind of starts out pretty solid. And then towards the middle, we're slowing down a little bit and towards the end, it's like, nobody wants to show up and I just feel like that's been kind of consistent over the past couple seasons so hopefully I don't know what it's going to take but you know something something gives in this particular season especially being that it's short they have some great opportunities to to make some moves in the playoffs but you can't do that if you don't bring your bats
0: yeah you got to hit the baseball it's wild they do not let you win baseball games if you don't score runs even a little bit at all I to be a little bit less flippant for a 2nd the answer to Janice's question, other than just saying this, this team is streaky in terms of their approach, which is also true. Uh, Javier Baez has talked a little bit about how the lack of video has really hurt his approach to how he takes it bats. That he's a big believer in l- learning throughout the game, and so he would go back and look at video and then change his approach slightly against different pitchers. That makes sense with everything we know about him and his baseball instincts and how he takes in information. To make small adjustments. I know that Chris Bryant is a big video guy too, and he has really struggled this year. I mean, I haven't looked at the numbers um, with yesterday. Well, actually, they shouldn't have changed because he's been hurt. He's been on the IL. So the last time I looked at KB's numbers, you know, he is a player who generally puts up a WRC plus right around 135 to uh, he's gone as high as 145 over the course of the season. His WRC plus this year is 63. Chris Bryant has five RBIs. <laughs> five. <laughs> I mean, we. I went on that rant last week, so we don't need to do it again. But that's not what, what you expect from a guy who had an MVP season two years ago, three years, four years ago, however long ago the MVP season.
2: Yeah, I think I read something about uh, Baez kind of uh, relying on uh, watching video and kind of making the, ne- the necessary adjustments. And uh, Yasmani Grandal actually went through something similar where he, too, is a guy that definitely heavily heavily relies on in-game video uh, to kind of uh, change his approach as, as necessary. And I think, yeah, kind of the absence of that has certainly altered uh, the course of uh, basically how games go this season.
0: Absolutely. In fact, I just re-ran the leaderboard by WRC+. Javier Baez's WRC+, is the lowest for qualified hitters right now. It's 52. It is tied with Eduardo Escobar of the Diamondbacks. So if you had that on your 2020 bingo card, (laughs) congratulations, I guess. I I hope you're not a Cubs fan, um, because that is just remarkably terrible news. Despite everything I just said, here is the crazy part. The Cubs are still... In first place in the NL Central, the White Sox are one game out of first place in the AL Central. I mean, both of these teams have a shot to win the division, and both of these teams are definitely going into the playoffs. So let's start with the Cubs, Andy. What do you see in this
1: playoff race right now? Oh God, go Milwaukee! I mean, I don't know. This is, this is so confusing and so like not where I wanted to be at this point in this season. But you know, I mean. We it, this is true for anybody looking at standings right now is you hold your own destiny right now. You have to, you know, go out there and win winnable games. I'm not gonna lie, this series is gonna be tough. This is not gonna be a series like, you know, Pittsburgh could have been. Hello. Um, this is gonna be another test, another playoff caliber team that we're facing that has a very potent offense when they're going. So you know, I love that we're rocking out this series with you, Darvish, to start with. I love that. But it's not going to help. It's not going to do anything if we can't hit. So, I mean, really, I mean, what? If we win, I don't even want to do the calculations on this. It's kind of depressing. But if we win one game and St. Louis loses a game and Cincinnati loses a game, the division is ours.
0: Yeah, the magic number is two, I believe.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of if so-and-so does this and then so-and-so does this. And, you know, I really just wish that at this point in time, there was no question we would have just taken our destiny in our own hands and beat Pittsburgh, but that didn't happen. So now, yeah, I mean, a lot of things kind of have to happen and we're definitely going to be scoreboard watching. So get used to it, folks. I mean, you got Cincinnati playing Minnesota and St. Louis playing Milwaukee. It, it's it's kind of a mess but it's three games and I really like to have a, a division champion shirt I'm not gonna lie
2: Ooh, go Brewers go Reds am I right <laughs> yeah, yeah. we are a well-known Nicholas
0: Castellanos uh, stand account so <laughs> Nicholas Castellanos time to have a big weekend for your former team buddy uh, in terms of the White Sox you all are one game but what, what is the White Sox situation for clinching the division I know you all have already clinched a spot
2: uh yeah. So uh right now uh Cleveland is uh, nipping at our heels. Uh they are currently uh one game uh behind us. So essentially uh the magic number if we were to win the division is 4. Uh, Minnesota's is three, uh, so of course they definitely kind of have a better chance of winning it. Uh, So right now the dialogue, the discourse right now in the White Sox community is whether or not we really want to win the division, uh, just mainly because, uh, yeah, uh, it's very possible that we might see some games versus the Yankees, which at this point I might be more open to seeing the likes of Garrett Cole uh, and, uh, Tanaka then to face, uh, Cleveland pitching again, uh, as we saw, uh, the White Sox really weren't able to take advantage of a maybe mediocre Shane Bieber and Zach Plesac. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, I, I definitely don't want to take my chances and have them face them when they're really good. So, uh, So, yeah, at this point, uh, it's just anything can happen. Um, Again, kind of similar to the Cubs, uh, there are too many kind of black holes in the lineup where – if I see someone like Edwin Encarnacion step up to bat, I'm just like, oh, God, this is an instant out. Uh, and you don't want to feel that way, especially when you've got runners in scoring position. You definitely don't want to feel like your DH can't drive those runs in because that's the, that's the purpose of the DH. That, that's the absolute <laughs> I mean, like, at this point, I think at the beginning of the season where Encarnacion was starting to slump, I was like, hey, you know what? Like, Dallas Keuchel actually is a proven RBI hitter. I remember he got a a couple of knocks in with Atlanta last year. Like, let's let him bat. Let's go ahead and bend the rules a little bit and let a pitcher bat. Like, I, I was at that point where I was, like, ready to see that happen. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think um, if the White Sox like, are, are going to try to win these games, uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be um, like fixing those holes in the lineup and also to uh, just not. Punting these games anymore because uh, these late inning rallies are just incredibly heartbreaking. Uh, yeah, we've seen three in a row, and I mean, even though last night wasn't a walk off win, uh, it was still really horrible to see. Uh, just mainly because it was a I don't know in my opinion an unavoidable situation. Uh, we had Carlos Redon pitch who is coming back from being on the injured list. Uh, He's in this high leverage situation, uh, protecting a 4-1 lead with the bases loaded. And of course he gives up a a single and a double to uh, perhaps maybe some of the most fearsome hitters in the league. Uh, So yeah, if I never have to see Jose Ramirez again, I will be so incredibly happy. Uh (laughs) I mean, It's, uh, yeah, just so much uh, is at stake. And, uh, yeah, there's just uh, so much, uh, so much can happen.
0: Yeah, so much can happen. All of it coming down to three games on the south side of Chicago between the Cubs and the White Sox before both teams solidify their postseason. fate. we will talk about who each team would currently face in the playoffs if those playoffs were to start today, but obviously that is going to change this upcoming series, we'll talk about whether or not the designated hitter is indeed supposed to hit and more on the flip side. But first, a few words of correspondence. All right. So if the playoffs were to start today, it looks like the White Sox would be facing, would indeed be facing the New York Yankees, who have pulled themselves up out of a hole that they were in. You know, talk about teams that you expect to be hitting who were not hitting. For a while, the Yankees fell into that trap too. So I do think it's important to recognize that a lot of traditional powerhouse hitting teams are struggling in this very weird pandemic baseball season. The Cubs, if this postseason were to start today, would be facing the Miami Marlins. Oh my goodness! And who had the Marlins making the postseason on your bingo card? Because that is insanity. That that's like the most 2020 thing ever, <laughs> right? After that crazy long COVID delay, the Marlins are like, "Yeah, we're just gonna stage a comeback."
2: Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, there were a couple of jokes kind of thrown around about that at the beginning of the season, where like the Marlins weren't playing any games, and everyone was like, oh, "Watch them come back and actually just do some damage in the postseason and uh, and and look, look what's happened."
0: <laughs> in, indeed. Well, and. Interestingly, it sort of feels like both of the teams that dealt with long COVID delays have managed to do that. And I'm not going to imply that there was some hidden advantage in seven inning doubleheaders or like no days off, because that's clearly not true. But I do find it interesting that both the Marlins and the Cardinals were able to claw their way back into contention in this season. I think that says a lot about them sort of, you know, getting it together and grinding out some really long, Days and some really long games. Andy, I know you watch a lot of Cardinals baseball being in St. Louis. Can you give our fan base an idea of what's going on with them right now?
1: Well, they're definitely um, kind of in the same boat, not offensively, but you know, they're wore down. I mean, and you can just tell their are pitching staff all around starting and bullpen is struggling. Um, last night, Yadier Molina got his 2000 hit. So of course that's, you know, devil burn magic. We're all happy. We're going to hit the ball. We're going to make, you know, make the playoffs and go far. I mean, it's just crazy to me. Like we joked about it when it was first happening that, you know, the Cardinals will come and make the playoffs and should they even be eligible for the playoffs for being in the situation they were in? I mean, that might've been a little unfair to say at the time, but now you kind of feel like like, whoa, how did they do this? I mean, yeah, I've talked to a couple of Cubs fans here in St. Louis that have said if the Cardinals make it to the playoffs and they have a pretty decent showing, like, we will have to tip the, our hats to them because they've obviously been through the ringer with all the games that they've had to schedule. I am not feeling sorry for them at all because obviously, you know, there was only a couple teams in this situation this whole season. So if everybody else could, you know, make sure that they weren't in that situation – the Cardinals probably could have done that as well. It's just, to me, it's just crazy that we're looking at, um, you know, the playoff seedings, the way that we are right now, especially with the Chicago Cubs right now, up to face Miami Marlins, like what I do not want to go back to 2003, 2004. Like that is giving me anxiety, just even thinking about it. And yeah, it's a 500 team that you're looking at with Miami, but still, I mean, you know, any given day, you just don't know what happened. So Yeah, it's definitely going to be a weird first series, no matter who we're matched up with, because we very well, you know, we jump back into that second slot and we very well could be facing Cincinnati. I mean, it's just it's crazy to me. It's just it's going to be nuts. And this weekend is definitely going to going to tell us a lot and, and give us a better feel where where we'll be and what we feel what we feel like we should be thinking as far as that first series is.
0: So the Marlins make me super nervous as a potential playoff opponent, mainly because they're playing with house money. They just—they it, it, don't even care. They weren't supposed to be here. They don't know that they're supposed to lose those games. They've got some arms in that rotation that are pretty live. And I'm just like, that's a team that's dangerous, particularly against the Cubs team that looks like they're playing really tight right now. They look like a team that knows oh, my gosh, we're not going to play together for that much longer. And we need to do this now or we'll never get a chance. And they're just they're pressing too much. And the Marlins are just the opposite of that. I do want to say one more thing about the Cardinals really quickly that I think is kind of interesting here. And, Andy, this is a scenario we talked about at the start of the season. So I want to know how you're going to feel if the Cardinals only play 58 games and win the division by like half a game.
1: I thought I had read somewhere that they would have to play Monday games if it came down to that, but I, I could be wrong. That might've been a while ago when I read that, but um, my husband and I, who is the resident Cardinals fan, of course, um, we're talking about it and he like kind of shook his head and he's like, well, I will be leaving for the first series of playoffs if that happens, because he knows, I mean, I will be hot. I will be real hot. I'm not going to lie. That's not going to be okay with me. And I imagine I'm not alone there. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people that are not going to love that. And um, I mean, all I can do at this point is root for Milwaukee and pray for my husband. That's all I can do.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Poor Mr. Andy's going to be like sleeping on the couch because Rob Manfred made
1: a terrible decision in New York. Oh, no, no. He'll be sleeping in the car. (laughs) He will not even get the couch. (laughs) All right, well, if there's
0: drama at the Vanasek house, you'll find out about it here on <laughs> the Covey Blue when Mr. Andy is sleeping in the car because the Cardinals got an unfair advantage by only playing 58 games instead of the 60 that everybody else <laughs> in the division had to play. Uh, hopefully the Cardinals can lose a couple of games here and the Cubs can win a couple of games here and, and that will take care of itself. Uh, speak, <laughs> speaking of this Cubs-Cardinals series, I want to talk about, or, or Cubs-Cardinals, Cubs speaking of this Cubs White Sox series, I want to talk about some probable pitcher matchups. Janice, what do you see going on with the probable pitchers for the series?
2: Oh my goodness. So tonight uh, y'all have you Darvish on the mound. Um so I love you personally. Like you is perhaps like one of my favorite pitchers to watch. He's got like 18 different pitchers. Uh he's a he's a fellow Evanstonian, uh like me. We both live in Evanston. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, I've always been a fan of his from afar. Um, he's been really, really solid this year. Uh, I believe the last time he faced the White Sox, he also did very, very well. That's just a broad generalization as I don't have anything in front of me right now. Uh, I am a little bit concerned on the White Sox side. Uh, the White Sox have Dylan Cease going tonight, uh, so uh, Cease is a uh, kind of uh, the kind of the beneficiary of luck, where his uh, his FIP is fielding independent pitching is twice that of his ERA. So his FIP is like six fourteen or something, and uh, his ERA is like I think three twenty. So uh, he had a really strange start last start where he pitched three. three hitless innings against Cincinnati, and he walked seven batters. Uh, So his command, uh, when it's there, it's really, really not there. Uh, A lot of the times he just tends to beat himself. So tonight, I don't know. I don't know. Will Cease be the beneficiary of luck once again? Uh, I don't know if I could tell you that. And then uh, I believe next we have, or tomorrow, uh, is Dane Dunning. Uh, I am a huge Dane Dunning fan. Uh, so before he made his major league debut this year, he had not pitched since 2018, nor had he pitched above the A level. But, uh, yeah, he had a fantastic major league debut, I believe, in his second start. Uh, he pitched, I think, five no-hit innings and, and struck out seven. So, uh, yeah, he has a great curveball, a great slider. Um, he eats innings, uh, which is really surprising, coming c- considering he's coming back from Tommy John rehab. But I've really loved what I've seen from Dane Dunning so far. Uh, and then to wrap it up on Sunday is Reynaldo Lopez, uh, who is kind of similar to seats where uh, he's either very, very good or very, very bad. Uh, so this season, uh, unfortunately, we've seen a lot of the bad Reynaldo Lopez so maybe we will see him be the beneficiary of luck like Cease has been. Uh, but other than that, uh, yeah, I, uh, a lot of people were arguing, like, why aren't, aren't we having um, uh, Dallas Keuchel or Lucas Giolito pitch this weekend? And uh, basically the, the main reason is that uh, the White Sox are hoping, hoping to have them pitch in the playoffs. So, I mean, that part makes sense to me. Um But of course, when you're trying to win a division, you definitely want your best kind of at the front lines. But with this kind of back end of the rotation, uh, who knows? Maybe we'll see some great things uh, from these three three fine young gentlemen this weekend. Maybe we will not.
0: It's funny that you bring up that cease game. I was watching that game because it didn't happen to be up against a time when the Cubs were playing. And... Steve Stone and Jason Bonetti were just like punch drunk over this line where Dylan Cease and I forget who came in right after him had a no hitter going for like into the third inning, but they had walked 10 guys. So they were down three,
2: nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Those walks will really kind of come to bite you in the rear end. Uh, So uh, yeah, we've seen kind of a lot of those command issues uh, throughout Uh, yeah, the starting rotation. So uh, that is uh, certainly an area of concern.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Cubs were doing a really great job of taking walks earlier in the season and that seems to have cooled off a bit. So I'm not entirely sure that the, the, what I'm trying to say here is that the Cubs may help out your players luck here a little bit because they seem to be trying to swing their way out of whatever offensive malaise is going on there. Andy, what can you tell me about the Cubs pitchers who are going in this series, kicking it off with you, Darvish, uh, tonight on the south side.
1: Well, you know, I remember this season not too long ago when you, Darvish, looked completely unhittable with his, as Janice put it, 18 different pitches. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's looked a little bit more human the past couple starts. Very good starts. I mean, he had a loss his last start, but, um, you know, solid starts still. Very good command of his pitches. You know, you just are seeing more more hitters making contact and and, and hitting balls further and harder. And that is a, a tad bit alarming because you wonder if that's something on you's end or if that's just, um, you know, folks are able to watch game video, you know, previous game video, and get a little bit, bit of a better handle on what he's throwing them. So you kind of are looking for that to see if he gets a lot more swing and miss, or if people are making contact, he is still, <laughs> still, one of the a, a runner, a, a front runner for the Cy Young. I mean, still, I was just reading an article this morning, so he he's there. You know, it, it's not looking as good as it was a couple weeks ago, but I mean, he's by far our ace and definitely somebody that you want to go out and kind of set the tone in the series. And you know, the Cubs mean business; they want the division, so. You know, no better people to have on the mound, you know, and, and tomorrow we have John Lester, who obviously, he, you know, he's going to be on a very short leash, too, with, you know, if if he's not having the command, if he's not having, you know, the good location that he has been having lately, you know, he got yanked, what, in five and two thirds last start. Yeah, um, David Ross is not messing around like this. is this is playoffs. He's he's in the playoff mental space right now. Like that's how he's treating these games. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. These pitchers need to know that if they're not in a situation where they're helping their team or they're doing what they need to do to, to keep their team in the game, David Ross is going to pull them. So, uh, you know, who knows how long we see these guys, if they're able to go out and give us quality starts. I really hope so, especially with, you know, playoffs right around the corner. TBD. That's going to be a very interesting game for me as far as who they decide to, to start whether it's like a um a opener situation or whatever it may be sunday will be very interesting to me but i i feel pretty confident having you starting off this series and i really hope that he's able to set the tone and, and and show his team that yeah he's ready for playoffs he means business go out and score me a couple runs and i'll handle the rest
0: i hope that our friend tbd who is starting that final game really shows up i i kind of have to imagine that tbd Will be the same combination of Quintana starting but on a real short pitch count and then being followed up by Alzale uh, when his pitch count is hit so that he doesn't get injured and hopefully can pick up the pen in the postseason. So these pitchers need to get out the hitters that we all already told you have been struggling mightily. The Cubs who are least likely to struggle, at least according to their numbers for the last two weeks are Jason Hayward, who really has just been leading the team this entire time. And can I say, Jay Hay, if you've got another speech in you that can rally the troops, like now is the time, that would be great. (laughs) Wilson Contreras and Anthony Rizzo both are still sporting that WRC plus over 100, along with Cameron Maben. But aside from those four, it has been yikes for the Cubs offense. And it would be awesome if just a couple of these guys would step up, Jason Kipnis, David Bodie, Javier Baez, Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber over the last two weeks has looked not great at all. He's slashing 103, 239, 154 with a WRC plus of 18. And that is just not the Schwarbs we are used to seeing. Janice, what do you see on the south side from the back?
2: Uh yeah, so there has definitely still been some offense uh even though uh yeah, the losses kind of uh kind of mute that out, but uh yeah, there are still uh, some there are still some pretty good production from the lineup. Uh so Jose Abreu uh is still very much so uh, making his case for AL MVP. So uh, on this last road trip, he was six for 20 with, uh, with a double, two home runs, and six RBI. And I believe uh, he is still kind of leading the... Uh, leading the American League at least in RBI, uh, Eloy Jimenez. Even though uh, he hurt his right foot yesterday on a questionable slide, uh, so he's currently day to day. He's been uh, kind of mashing too. Uh, so uh, Eloy uh, is uh, five for twelve in his last three games, uh, hitting four uh, for seventeen. Uh, so I, I've liked what I've really seen from him uh let's see who else a uh, Nick Madrigal who I think is perhaps one of the best two strike hitters perhaps in all of baseball and it's just like really interesting to see him hit because he's 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 like maybe my height he's like maybe about five six five seven and he's had to adjust where if he gets pitches thrown um just uh neck high he just makes that adjustment and just smacks balls for singles. So, uh, he's been a really great hitter to watch. Uh, really interesting. Uh, he, he's just fun. Um, he's currently on a seven game hitting streak, uh, and is uh, 10 for 25, uh, hitting 400, uh, in those seven games. So, uh, uh yeah. Uh, other than that, on the cold side, uh, of course, there's Luis Robert um, that I uh, mentioned earlier. Uh, Encarnacion is kind of uh, painful to watch. Uh, Nomar Mazzara has been kind of a uh, an issue that we've talked about quite a bit uh, as White Sox fans. Uh, but yeah, he managed to get those RBIs last night, which is really great to see. Uh, and uh, one slumping player right now is uh, Joan Moncada, even though like, he hits triples. like I, I think the uh, last three extra base hits have all been triples, uh, but uh, he's said on multiple occasions that he hasn't felt the same since uh, recovering from COVID-19. Uh, so of course, like we don't know how COVID affects the body uh, since it's a novel virus, uh, so uh a lot of concern regarding uh, his health uh, and uh, how it's affecting his performance on that end. So, so uh, other than that, yeah, it's, the offense is kind of a mixed bag.
0: Well, if you're going to get an extra base hit, a triple is a pretty good extra base hit <laughs> to get. Um, how do we think these managers will approach this series, considering that both teams are in the postseason, but neither team has clinched? I guess what I'm asking is, how important is that clinching? home field spot to each of these managers and I will start with you Andy what do you think David Ross is going to do in his first year managing?
1: well I think we're already kind of seeing what uh, his his mindset is as far as you know kind of getting into that playoff mode and like really I think practicing on himself like you know the bullpen management and um, you know how he's messing with lineups a little bit and and really like holding people accountable, which is nice to see even in the last week of the season. Um, You know, I I honestly think that we're going to continue to see what he's been doing. Like he's not going to be shy about pulling people when he feels like it's time to go, you know, his bullpen has really come around the past month. Um, Been one of the best in baseball. It's crazy because at the beginning of the season, we were absolutely the worst bullpen in baseball. And now we're, one of the better ones so it's been nice to watch that kind of come around um but it'll be interesting to really see you know what his what his style is once we get going and once we're there i think i don't know that we're necessarily like really we we're in playoffs already i mean that's the bottom line but i don't know that i feel like it's gonna really his style is gonna change to win the division. I mean, obviously, he wants to win a division, but I feel like a big weight has been lifted that we even made playoffs. So um, I, I definitely think we're going to see an intense David Ross in this series. And I think, that, you know, kind of heading into playoffs, you're going to see a nervous but intense David Ross. He has a lot to prove right now. I mean, you know, he, he's good as far as managing is concerned. He's done a, a fine job with this team this season, um, you know, given the hand he's been dealt. But it's it's definitely – it's going to be interesting to see if he has his own, you know, methods and ways of doing things compared to what we've seen in past seasons. So I'll definitely be watching that. And I think it starts with, you know, bullpen management is going to be a big thing that people keep an eye on because that's the easiest thing to complain about. So um, – We'll see. I'll be really interested. But I think he's been in playoff mode for at least a week already. So it'll be nice to watch him continue that in this series. Yeah, the
0: thing I've noticed with David Ross in what you're calling playoff mode is that he just doesn't have a high tolerance for a pitcher getting hit really hard. So you watched him pull Lester a couple of times, not because Lester's line looked bad. He hadn't given up a lot of hits, hadn't given up a lot of runs, but he was just getting hit really hard. The outs were all hard outs. And I noticed him do that with Alec Mills Yesterday as well, it's just kind of like a, eh, we're not going to mess around with you giving up a ton of hard contact. Uh, that didn't work out, incidentally, but that sort of seems to be the thing that David Ross is looking for. What is Rick Renteria going to do in this series? Do you think, Janice?
2: Uh, hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, less. Uh, questionable bullpen management. (laughs) Certainly over the past uh, three games, uh, there have been uh, some very uh, questionable uh, decisions uh, from Renteria, namely uh, in game uh, in in, in, uh, two games ago, ago versus Cleveland where uh, he had Jose Ruiz come in and pitch the ninth and then uh, was walked off. Uh, and then the next day, where he had Gio Gonzalez, a soft tossing lefty, uh, face uh, J- uh, Luplo, uh, who is absolutely notorious for match- mashing lefties. And uh, even before that at uh, bat happened, uh, a lot of us were thinking, like, okay, so uh, why isn't Colomé coming out? But of course, to uh, looking on the other side of the coin, um, say, Are any of these other bullpen arms available? Uh, We've seen a lot of the younger arms pitch uh, these past couple of days. Uh, So even though there have been some bullpen woes, uh, the White Sox have a pretty solid bullpen in uh, Cody Hoyer, uh, Matt Foster, uh, Garrett Crochet. Yeah, he throws... uh, 100 plus uh, miles per hour su- su- successes uh, successes of, eh. I, I'm, I'm so excited about crochet I can't even talk right now success with Lee there you go thank you uh but of course too there's always the question of whether like these young arms are available like we don't necessarily know that Uh, and then, uh, yeah, last night where I mentioned this before, but we have Carlos Rodon who hasn't pitched in relief in like five years and he's pitching for the first time since August and he's in this high leverage, high pressure situation. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I don't know if I would have done that. Um, (laughs) I'm not exactly sure I would have let Rodon in, in that situation. And of course, I mean, like I'm not the manager. Um, I, 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 can definitely sit here and critique Renteria's decisions all day. Uh, and, and I, and I will actually, I, I will criticize his decisions all, all day. So at this point, uh, I feel as if just as long as Renteria kind of learns, um uh, and it, it if this team-wide slump is just a period of experimentation before the postseason happens, I'll be okay with that. Because the one thing that we have to remember is that we're in the postseason, which is absolutely awesome. Uh, the Cubs and White Sox are both in the postseason at the same time. Uh, that's super cool. It's super electrifying. Uh, it's a, a, a citywide joyous event. So I think it's, yeah, it's very easy to kind of criticize those decisions and be concerned about the team's performance and some of the uh, Renteria's decisions. Uh, But at the same time, too, um, yeah, uh, it's it's always good to remember that we're still headed to the postseason. So that's still pretty cool.
0: Well, and you actually just gave me the perfect segue for what I want to talk about next, which is this is a citywide joyous event. And it's happening in a pandemic. So we all don't get to go to the park and cheer for the Cubs and cheer for the White Sox. So it feels a little bit more muted than it would be in normal times. But I just have to say, I am digging having both Chicago teams be forces to be reckoned with. And it is going to be super weird if somehow both of these teams get hot, go on a tear, and the Crosstown World Series is played in Texas. Like what?
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, I do know that uh, Texas has a lot of uh, Chicago expats, so <laughs> it'll be for them. They, they could all uh, cheer, I guess, semi-remotely from their homes for the Cubs or White Sox. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's certainly historic in the sense that also, too, yeah, um, both teams are in the postseason. Both teams uh, have have had a pitcher throw a no-hitter. Uh, so, uh, yeah, super exciting stuff all around. Yeah,
0: the the cross town classic in like Arlington or whatever. I can't even remember exactly where the World Series is supposed to be played, but that is going to be nuts if it were to, if it comes about. I will also say you mentioned the you know fans semi social distancing. It appears that they're playing around with scenarios where they might sell like a quarter of the tickets to postseason games, and I think that would just be weird too. You'd have a bunch of Texans showing up. To like cheer for the Cubs and the White Sox. I mean, Andy, what do you think of the crosstown World Series happening? And I don't even, I don't know. I should probably <laughs> think that World Series to happen. I'm not going. To, I know.
1: mean, is it not like one of uh, another thing that we can add to the most 2020 things that are happening? Like Absolutely. seriously, it's it's just insane to me that I mean, this is this is huge. For the Chicago area, I mean, just all around to have good baseball in, in both both sides of the city, and and then to have to experience it from Texas, <laughs> what? What? So strange. But you know, I mean, I'll take it at this point in in the season in this year that we're having in this pandemic and. this year of uncertainty I'll take it I don't care where they play they could play on Timbuktu I don't care it's just so amazing that this is happening we get to watch baseball we're watching good baseball we're watching playoff team baseball in Chicago it's such a cool thing so I'm really kind of trying to keep myself grounded on this and just be thankful for what we have right now and if you know we have to watch them play in Texas you know saddle up let's do it (laughs)
0: Saddle up I love it so I'm going to close this out with a couple of questions one for Andy one for Janice Uh, I might answer it myself we'll see we'll see how it goes uh Andy I'm going to start with you you know we already talked a little bit about the playoff brackets but they're still super in flux who do you want the Cubs to face in this first wild card series for the
2: postseason
1: who do I want them to play yes oh man um Oh, that's a good question. I didn't even think about that. Well, let me see. Um, are the the Rays in the playoffs?
0: <laughs> no, they are not in the. They are not in the Cubs division. Um, so I know. No, I know,
1: I know. <laughs> they are in the playoffs. I think that they're the AL East champions. Oh gosh, never mind. I was just kidding. Um, can we? Can we maybe get the? No, we don't want Pittsburgh either. We can't beat them. I don't know. Um, I guess. Miami's probably doesn't look too shabby at this point. We haven't seen them this season. There are 500 team. Yeah, they have some good arms, but, you know, I, I mean, I don't, I really don't want to play Cincinnati um, in the first round. I really don't want to play anybody like St. Louis. Um, I mean, San Francisco wouldn't be bad either. I don't know. I mean, I, there's not anybody that I want, like feverishly want to play in the first round. I will gear up for whoever we are matched up against and just, you know, start analyzing at that point. But I think, you know, this team really could beat anybody if they decided to do that. If they decided to show up and be the team that we watched at the beginning of the season, they could beat anybody. Um, Do I feel confident about saying that right now? Not with the offense that we've seen. No, I absolutely do not. So yeah, I mean, there's nobody that I really want to play at this point, but I'm, I will just, I'll take whoever we're given. We're in the playoffs. That's a start. Yeah. I hear you on that. I actually, this is a
0: question that was asked of me a while back and I didn't have a great answer because I could see landmines everywhere, given the Cubs' propensity to just like stop hitting for long stretches. It's like, if you stop hitting for long stretches, it doesn't matter if you're playing the Phillies or the Dodgers, you're not going to win those baseball games. So I don't really have a huge preference there either, although I was most comfortable when the Cubs were matched up against the Phillies. I agree with you that the Reds are super dangerous in a short series with the pitching that they have. Janice, who do you want to see the White Sox face in that wild card series?
2: Uh, That is a great question. Uh, So I do know, uh, the Twins really want the division just mainly so uh, they can avoid the Yankees because historically um, the, the Twins and the Yankees uh, don't necessarily get along with New York coming on top. So, uh, yeah, I think I would probably rather face the Yankees at this point. Uh, I, I want nothing to do uh, with Cleveland. Like I said before, I am tired of them. They, they absolutely exhaust me. Uh, so, uh, so, yeah. So you w- bring on the Bombers. I like that. That
0: is some serious, like, White Sox cred right there. I would, my, as pe- as listeners of this podcast know, my dad and brother are both Yankees fans. My dad for his entire life. My brother, because the Yankees are his team of the moment. Um, I would absolutely love to see the White Sox take out the Yankees. No offense, Dad. I just think it would be incredible <laughs> to watch this young White Sox team just to watch Eloy go, like, absolutely nuts on Garrett Cole. That would be a blast. If the White Sox are going to take on the Yankees or the Cubs are going to take on the Phillies or the Marlins, you will hear about it here on Cup of Cubby Blue. Until then, you can find us all on Twitter. Janice, where can people find you on Twitter?
2: Yeah, my handle is Scuriosa, and I know uh, audio-wise that sounds weird, so I'm just going to spell it out. It's essentially my last name spelled incorrectly uh, because my last name spelled correctly uh, that was taken for some reason. So it's basically S C U R I I O S A. So it's Scuriosa with two eyes.
0: Awesome. So you can find Janice at Scurrioso with two eyes. You can find me at at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find Andy at at BRYZ underscore blue. You can find both of us at at Cup of Cubby Blue, where we will be blasting all of the accompanying content for this and upcoming episodes. And we're going to have a really fun three game set against the White Sox on the South side. That matters y'all. It's going to be a blast. We'll have all of the news, updates, and banter from that series next time on Cup of Cubby Blue. Bye. Bye.